0: Hello from the newsroom of the Financial Times in London, I'm Katie Martin. Today we're looking at Turkey where the currency has lost more than 40% of its value since the start of this year, and the war of words between President Recep Tayyip Erdogan and US President Donald Trump that helped fuel the lira's decline shows no sign of abating. Daniel Dombey talks to our Ankara correspondent Laura Patel and our banking editor Martin Arnold about the crisis and its repercussions.
1: Laura, tell us the background to the lira's decline. Is the cause political or economic, or both?
2: Like so many things in Turkey, it's a mixture of politics and economy. I mean, the backdrop to this crisis is that Turkey's GDP grew 7.4% last year. That's faster than China and India. But that growth was powered by a government stimulus package that was aimed at getting Turkey out of a slump that followed a very difficult period when it suffered a coup attempt and terrorist attacks and all sorts of difficult things. But the stimulus package made the economy overheat, according to economists, and it caused imbalances like a wide current account deficit and soaring inflation. And this is where the politics come in. You know, Most economists think that the recipe for fixing that kind of scenario is to cool down the economy by raising interest rates. But President Recep Tayyip Erdogan famously doesn't like high interest rates, which he says stifle growth and He calls them the mother and father of all evil. And he's maintained that stance even when inflation was rising up and up and currently it's at 16%. At the same time, President Erdogan was doing away with respected figures in the international investment community, such as the former finance minister, Mehmet Simsek, he replaced him with his own son-in-law. That was very controversial. So this is the backdrop. Economists and investors have warned that Turkey was vulnerable at a time when the global financial environment has been shifting, as central banks have been changing their policies that they brought in after the financial crisis. That's made emerging markets more vulnerable, and Turkey was top on the list of vulnerable countries. So there's this kind of big bonfire sitting there and this row that has erupted with the United States with Donald Trump has been the touch paper that has set that alight. There's been this simmering dispute between the US and Turkey for several years now, but Donald Trump has got particularly upset about the fate of a jailed American evangelical pastor who was arrested in Turkey in October 2016. He hasn't been released, he's currently in house arrest, and at the start of August, Donald Trump in retaliation for this, announced sanctions against two Turkish ministers. And later he doubled tariffs on Turkish steel and aluminium imports. And the Turkish lira has paid the price. It had a terrible week last week. It lost 17% in a day on Friday. And the year to date, it's down about 40%.
1: And has the president done very much to halt for currency's decline? What's his stance been in the midst of this maelstrom?
2: If you were to ask the investment community to continue the bonfire analogy, they would say that he's poured fire on the flames. He has taken a very belligerent stance towards the actions from Donald Trump, saying that he's not going to back down with the U.S. He's accused the U.S. of waging an economic war on Turkey and says that what's happening is a foreign Operation a plot against the country. Erdogan has also suggested that Turkish citizens should boycott American products, suggesting that they should not buy iPhones anymore and instead they should buy Turkish made Vestal Venus mobile phones. He has resisted calls for a massive interest rate hike which is what a lot of investors want in order to bring money flooding back into Turkey. He hasn't announced a shakeup of his team, which is also what some people want, nor has he promised to rein in government spending. So he's really remained very, very defiant. The big question is whether he's willing to back down in this row with the US, which is what many people think is necessary to resolve the crisis for a country that ultimately is very reliant on foreign funding.
1: So we're headed towards a cliffhanger. We have Presidents Erdogan and Trump, no shrinking violets, either of them headed on confrontation course. But in the meantime, what's happening to ordinary citizens and businesses?
2: The impact on the Turkish corporate sector is one thing that many economists are very worried about. Turkish companies, big companies, have a lot of foreign currency debt. So that means they hold loans in euros or dollars. And some of these companies have most of their revenues in Turkish lira, So every time the lira devalues against the dollar and the euro, those loans become harder and harder to service. And we've had news in recent months of big companies trying to restructure their debt. Some people worry that bankruptcies could be on the way. And particularly the most recent volatility of the lira with these very extreme fluctuations has really caused quite a lot of chaos in the Turkish business world. People have been telling me about how some companies have just stopped selling their products because they don't know how to price them with these huge fluctuations. Anything that's imported obviously has to be priced according to the exchange rate. And ordinary people, many are very worried. I mean, like many things in Turkey, the reaction among the public is very divided. This country is very divided politically. So people who support President Erdogan are much more likely to agree with his narrative that the whole thing is a plot against the government, and it's unfair treatment of Turkey, whereas the half of the country who don't like President Erdogan are more likely to see it as the result of bad government policies. But ultimately, it's bad for everybody. You know, I've heard from people in recent days whose lives have been affected in all sorts of small ways, you know, I spoke to a guy who's got a daughter starting at university in the US in the autumn, and he said to me, I haven't paid her tuition fee yet. And if I'd paid them a month ago, I would have saved 30%. You know, all sorts of people canceling their holidays or reconsidering their life plans.
1: Wow. Well, Martin, you've written about the risk to some big European banks that have lent to Turkish borrowers. What banks are affected and how big is their exposure? And what's the knock on effect of the corporate's travails on the banking sector?
0: So a lot of investor attention has focused on the European banks that own sizable stakes in some of Turkey's biggest lenders. The four most exposed banks are Spain's BBVA, Italy's Unicredit, ING in the Netherlands and France's BNP Paribas, pretty much in that order. And the extent to which they're exposed is best measured as a percentage of their shareholders' equity, ranging from BBVA's exposure to Guarantee Bank in Turkey at about 12% of its total equity, down to around 4% for both ING and Unicredit, and around 1% for BNP Paribas. But that's not the end of the story, potentially, because if things get really bad in Turkey, um, particularly if the Lira keeps devaluing, because of the high level of more than $200 billion worth of foreign currency loans that the banks there have extended, those will become harder and harder for the borrowers to repay, especially those borrowers that are relying on lira-based income. That could trigger a rise in defaults, and some analysts are predicting that non-performing loans could reach as much as 25% of total loan books in Turkey, then you could see the need for capital injections by shareholders into those banks to keep them solvent. And that could require extra investment by the Europeans. But I'll just say that at the moment, most analysts think even that is still manageable.
1: Thanks, Martin. What action are they taking to mitigate their losses?
0: Well, very little so far. Some of the banks have talked about how the Turkish lenders are pretty naturally hedged, but typically they are stressing most of them that have talked publicly about their strategies of their Turkish investments. They've talked about their long-term approach to Turkey, how they're in this for the long term. They think these are structurally good banks, profitable banks that will come through this. In the past few years, if anything, they've been increasing their investments in Turkey. BBVA increased their holdings in Guarantee Bank recently up to close to 50%. And Unicredit also put more money into its Turkish operation, which is called Yapi Credit. That bank did a $1 billion rights issue and Unicredit took up its share of that investment. So they have been showing a willingness to invest in Turkey and increase their investments there. I think they will stand by those investments for quite some time. It'll take quite a lot to force them to walk away from them.
1: So it's not all bad news for the Turkish economy. Laura, are there any other upsides?
2: It's hard to see many upsides from the point of view of people here in Turkey who, you know, as we discussed, their lives are becoming more difficult and people are very anxious and there's fears that there's a big recession to come. I think the main beneficiaries of this crisis could be tourists. You know, it's a very cheap place to come on holiday right now and it's a wonderful country, so anyone who hasn't yet booked their summer holidays might want to think about it, given the incredible exchange rate.
1: Well, there's one upside for the tourist industry. In the meantime, Martin Arnold and Laura Patel, thank you very much indeed.
0: That was Daniel Dombey talking to our Ankara correspondent Laura Patel and our banking editor Martin Arnold. Thanks for listening. We'll be back with more news tomorrow, but in the meantime, if you're not already an FT subscriber, do take a look at our latest offer, which you can find at ft.com slash offer.